the Local Government News Roundup is brought to you by the Victorian Local Governance Association, which once again presents its signature event, Fast Track, in 2024. Mayors and councillors will come together on Friday, March the 15th for interactive panel discussions and a confidential peer learning experience on the topic of leading under pressure. Confirmed speakers so far include Cos Samaras, Dr Sam Wilson, Darren Ray, Councillor Amanda Stone and Councillor Mia Shaw. Fast track your way to the 2024 elections with strategies, tools and skills to lead effectively under pressure. Head to the VLGA website to register now. Today on the Roundup, Municipal Monitors announced for yet another Victorian Council, a new site determined for a controversial event in Mornington Peninsula Shire, a sacked Sydney Mayor launches a legal challenge against an ICAC ruling, two Victorian Councils commence their search for a new CEO, and a long-time New South Wales General Manager calls time. A long-running dispute over library services resolved, nominations closed for Queensland's local government elections, Tasmanian councils prepare their wish lists for an early state election. A WA council backs down on an overseas trip and a UK council admits a regrettable lack of control over payments to an internet prankster. Welcome to the Local Government News Roundup. I'm Chris Eddy. It's Wednesday the 14th of February and the program is brought to you by the Victorian Local Governance Association, the national broadcaster on all things local government, with support from Davidson, the nationally recognised local government recruitment and business advisory service. Janet Dorr and Penelope Holloway have been appointed as municipal monitors to work with Brimbank City Council for 10 months, commencing this week. The main role of the monitors is to help the council improve its performance and understand its role better, providing assistance and advice in several areas, including confidentiality requirements, management of conflicts of interest, meeting procedures, decision-making processes and governance rules. The Minister for Local Government, Melissa Horn, has asked the monitors to identify the underlying causes of any issues affecting the ability of the council and or individual councillors to properly perform their statutory roles. Ms Dor has served as a municipal monitor for Strathbogie, Wodonga and Ararat councils, while Ms Holloway has experience as the acting CEO for the Office of Local Government New South Wales and is currently serving as a board director for the Victorian Planning Authority. Brimbank joins its neighbour Mooney Valley as the second council to have municipal monitors appointed this year and the 11th Victorian council to be subject to some form of government oversight in the current four-year council term. Brimbank was previously under administration for nearly seven years between 2009 and 2016. The appointments come as the government plans to introduce legislation that will elevate governance and integrity standards in the 79 councils across the state and to encourage quality candidates to run for office in the elections scheduled for October. The reforms will also introduce mandatory training for elected representatives, a uniform councillor code of conduct and strengthened powers for the minister to address councillor conduct. A consultation paper on the proposed reforms is currently out for feedback from councils and the broader community ahead of the likely introduction of legislation to Parliament next month. 
Mornington Peninsula Shire Council has decided to relocate a controversial Harry Potter event from the Briars Wildlife Sanctuary to a nearby dog park. The Age reports that councillors voted unanimously yesterday to move the event following backlash from locals, environmental groups and even a Harry Potter fan site. More than 22,000 people signed an online petition calling for the relocation due to concerns over the potential impact on native wildlife. The event is expected to bring economic benefits to the region, estimated at between 27 and $35 million. The search for East Gippsland Shire Council's next CEO has begun following the recent departure of Anthony Basford. The new CEO will be expected to lead a large organisation, foster community engagement, environmental sustainability and financial sustainability. The Council has engaged executive recruitment agency Davidson for the process with a target to select a preferred candidate by April. Fiona Weigel will continue as acting CEO until March 27th, followed by Stuart McCoy until June 30. Saddened and disgusted is how Yarra Rangers Shire Council has described its reaction to the vandalisation of Indigenous artwork on water tanks in Wandon East. The Council said the criminal damage to the artworks was motivated by prejudice and it's supporting police with an investigation into the incident. The graffiti has been removed from the water tanks, which are part of a public art project celebrating the local First Nations people's history and culture. Mayor Sophie Todorov said it was pointless damage to a beautiful piece of artwork, and she said the council takes a zero-tolerance approach to all forms of racism, discrimination and vilification. Challenges with the management of council swimming pools are in focus this week. Due to rising gas prices, the Bendigo East pool will close for winter as heating costs have become unaffordable, according to a report from the Bendigo Advertiser. This is despite attempts by the Greater Bendigo Council to lower temperatures and reduce operating hours. Patrons will be able to use their passes at another centre or get a refund. Meanwhile, Aubrey Council will continue operating the Aubrey Swim Centre until June due to high visitation levels and community demand for year-round access, despite an annual cost of $328,000. Moira Shire Council is preparing to join Victoria's four-bin system, introducing a new purple lid bin for glass recycling. The move is part of a review of the current curbside service aiming to increase recycling rates and reduce costs to ratepayers in line with the Federal Government's National Waste Action Plan and the Victorian Government's Circular Economy Act. The Council is seeking community input on waste and recycling habits and curbside options to improve household waste management and reach the target of diverting 80% of waste from landfill by 2030. In today's Victorian Briefs, the Chris Lane Field, named in honour of late Australian baseball player Chris Lane, will be officially opened on the 17th of this month at Boeing Reserve in Strathmore Heights. The field in the city of Mooney Valley has been 10 years in the making and it will be Australia's first Little League baseball field. Hindmarsh Shire in Victoria's Wimmera region has opened applications for a new CEO after Jessie Holmes was recently released from her contract for health reasons. Gem Executive is handling the recruitment process with applications to close on the 7th of March. And Victorian councils will share nearly $3 million to engage communities and businesses in preventing violence against women. The state government funding program is aimed at helping community members understand their role in creating safer environments and address attitudes and behaviours that drive family violence. 
It's the second round of the program, which is already supporting 15 councils with primary prevention initiatives. You're listening to the Local Government News Roundup. It's Wednesday the 14th of February 2024. This is episode 306, brought to you by the VLGA and by Davidson Recruitment and Business Advisory Service. In our national roundup today, we start with former Sydney Mayor Angelo Sirikas, who was recently found corrupt by the Independent Commission Against Corruption, or ICAC, and has now formally launched a legal challenge against the findings. The ICAC found that Sirikas engaged in serious corrupt conduct related to planning decisions. He was suspended by local government minister Ron Honig on the day of the ICAC findings and was later removed from his position as mayor and barred from running for office for five years. The Australian reported that the source of funding for Mr Sirikas's legal appeal is unclear. ICAC also found that Joseph Chidiak, a friend of the mayor, engaged in serious corrupt conduct and he too has launched a legal fight against the watchdog. In the aftermath of a tragic accident at the Southern 80 ski race last weekend, Murray River Council has extended support and condolences to the affected family, team members and the ski racing community. In a statement, the council said it expected to be briefed on the circumstances of the accident in due course and that it would continue to support the event and the Moama Water Sports Club in its future efforts. Craig Butler, the General Manager of Lithgow Council, will retire at the end of June after more than four decades in local government. Mr Butler said he's been fortunate to have had a life of public service but now wants to devote more time to his family. He was appointed by Lithgow Council as GM in April 2020 after the retirement of Graham Faulkner and was given a renewed contract term in February last year. A long-running dispute over library services in the New South Wales Riverina has been resolved. Wagga City Council and the Riverina Regional Library Service have reached a confidential agreement, which Wagga Mayor Dallas Tart described to the Daily Advertiser as mutually satisfying. The dispute began when Wagga City Council ended its 40-year partnership with the library service, leading to disagreement over the distribution of an estimated $5 million in assets. The council's decision to split from the library service was driven by a desire to provide more frequent and diverse mobile and outreach library services, which other councils did not desire. In response to a housing shortage for new workers in Orange, the City Council has joined a call for homeowners to rent out their spare rooms. The initiative is part of the Spare Capacity in Housing project by the Central New South Wales Joint Organisation. It aims to address the need for accommodation for an estimated 64,000 additional workers in the Central West and Arana regions over the next five years. The project includes a survey to understand homeowners' willingness to rent out spare rooms and it will conclude with a report at the end of February. Three New South Wales councils are collaborating to develop a drought resilience plan under the Regional Drought Resilience Planning Program. Parks, Forbes and Lachlan Shire councils are aiming to help their communities better prepare for, respond to and recover from drought. The plans will be co-designed with local stakeholders to ensure relevance and actionability. The program is being funded by the Australian Government's Future Drought Fund and the New South Wales Government. 
Nominations have now closed for local government elections in Queensland, which take place next month. There's extensive coverage across the state of the various contests that will play out over the next few weeks. Many long-serving councillors and mayors are stepping aside, with a range of fresh candidates appearing, including former state and federal MPs and media personalities. Some candidates will not have to face an election, such as Councillor Paul Bishop at Redland City Council. He was the only candidate for that council's Division 10 election at the close of nominations, and he's encouraged the community to now focus on the three mayoral candidates and to choose wisely. Controversial incumbent Mayor Karen Williams is not seeking re-election after three terms as mayor and 20 years in local government. And Councillor Bishop already knows who one of his colleagues will be. Wendy Boglery was the only nomination in the Division 1 election and most of the other divisions attracted just two candidates. The Queensland Electoral Commission has published a full list of nominees for mayoral and councillor positions on its website. An early state government election in Tasmania was confirmed yesterday by Premier Jeremy Rockliffe. Speculation has been swirling in recent weeks, leading to many councils preparing their funding wish lists. The Advocate reported on key projects to be pushed by councils during an election campaign, including Devonport City Council's request for $25 million for sports infrastructure, Central Coast Council's desire for a shared pathway between Alveston and Penguin, and Waratah Wynyard Council's calls for upgrades to Boat Harbour Beach. The councils are expected to emphasise the need for ongoing relationships and investment in their regions, not just election time promises. The City of Port Lincoln in South Australia has purchased the Port Lincoln Civic Centre building for $5.75 million. It now owns 100% of the property. The acquisition, replacing the $4.25 million depot redevelopment project, is expected to improve the Council's operational budget by $1.78 million over 10 years. While many in the community may have assumed the Council already owned the building, it was 76% owned by a private party. The rental savings and income from the building tenants, which equate to $573,000 per annum, will contribute towards paying for the property purchase and provide a new income stream for the council. In the Northern Territory, Barclay Regional Council Mayor Geoffrey McLaughlin has relocated his family interstate due to safety concerns following the emergence of a video of him pinning an Aboriginal child to the ground. McLaughlin is also facing charges for cannabis possession, supply, cultivation and driving under the influence. As ABC News has reported, Barclay Regional Council is currently suspended pending an unrelated government investigation into its conduct and finances. The outcome of of the investigation is expected to determine whether McLaughlin and his council colleagues will be reinstated or dismissed. And to Western Australia, a proposed $114,000 trip to Croatia for four Coburn councillors, including business class flights and accommodation, has been scrapped due to public outrage. The trip, less than a year after the city of Coburn hosted councillors from the city of Split, was intended to reciprocate the visit. Critics argued the funds could be better spent elsewhere during a cost-of-living crisis, and councillors agreed this week to defer the proposal to an unspecified later date, according to a report from Nine News. And local governments in the Perth and Peel regions are being encouraged to increase urban tree and vegetation canopy through a $3.75 million grant program funded by the state government. The Urban Greening Grants Program aims to combat climate change by increasing urban canopies. 
The Western Australian Local Government Association will manage and implement the program with the first round of successful grant applicants to be finalised by the end of February. Now on the Local Government News Roundup, it's time for the International Spotlight. Let's start the spotlight today in New Zealand. Councils in regions hit by Cyclone Gabrielle are struggling to afford the recovery of damaged roads. A year after the cyclone, the need for a significant effort to repair the network is clear, but the financial burden is substantial, according to a report from Radio New Zealand. Despite government contributions, councils like Hastings and Central Hawke's Bay District are facing budget shortfalls of $600 million and $129 million, respectively. The councils are also concerned about a lack of manpower to carry out the work, with an estimated need for an additional 17,500 workers at the peak of the rebuilding effort. In Auckland, the council has euthanised a stray due to what it says were signs of concerning behaviour, despite the woman who found the dog wanting to adopt him. Cheyenne Rose had taken the dog in, named him Robbie, and expressed her intention to adopt him if his owners were not found. However, after seven days in the council's care, Robbie was euthanised. Ms Rose told the New Zealand Herald that she's absolutely gutted, beyond disgusted and upset. She says she's lost trust in the council, which says it's reviewing its records to better understand what has occurred in this instance. To the UK, the leader of Essex County Council has admitted to a lack of oversight and control over payments made to an internet prankster. Simon Harris received over £500,000 to run Facebook groups and other work during the COVID pandemic. Council leader Kevin Bentley told the council this week that procedures for procuring services were not followed and he described a lack of oversight and controls as regrettable and wrong. BBC News reports that opposition councillors have called for an urgent independent investigation. The payments have been referred to the council's Audit, Governance and Standards Committee for further investigation. A councillor in Canada has been penalised for violating the Code of Conduct with the majority of the Sarnia Council endorsing a recommendation from its Integrity Commissioner to suspend the pay of Councillor Bill Dennis for two days. The incident involved a confrontation outside the council chambers in October. Not all councillors supported the finding, with some arguing it was a personal matter because it didn't occur inside the council chambers. Councillor Dennis did not declare a conflict of interest and remained seated during the discussion. He has apologised for his behaviour but said he would not be stifled from expressing his opinion, as reported by Windsor News Today. And before we wrap up, let's check the things that councils ban file for a new entry. Oh, and there is one out of North Carolina in the US where Wilmington City Council has approved an ordinance prohibiting people from standing in medians measuring six feet and under, a move that some say will primarily affect the homeless or poverty-stricken. The Port City Daily reports that the city has installed signs at major intersections to alert the community of the safety concerns. Violators can be charged with a Class C misdemeanour. The ordinance has sparked debate, with some critics arguing it could lead to more incidents and questioning whether people standing in the median pose a significant safety risk. That's where we end another Local Government News Roundup journey, this edition recorded on the 14th of February 2024 and brought to you by the Victorian Local Governance Association with support from Davidson. 
As always, you'll find the links to the stories referenced in the episode, along with a full transcript at www.lgnewsroundup.com. While you're there, check out the latest breaking news updates. That's where you might have first learned about the appointment of municipal monitors at Brinbank City Council yesterday. You can also find out how you can support the Roundup by becoming a subscriber through a small monthly contribution, which you can cancel at any time. The Roundup is recorded in the city of Greater Geelong, Victoria, on the land of the Wadawurrung people of the Kulin Nation. I'll be back soon with more local government news. Until next time, thanks for listening and bye for now. Local Government News Roundup is proudly supported by Davidson. For 30 years, Davidson has been strengthening the local government sector by identifying and providing the people, expertise and experience that local government needs to enhance its capability, productivity and performance. Davidson is nationally recognised for its executive recruitment services and over the past four years has built a business advisory practice rapidly evolving into one of the nation's foremost and trusted local government business consultancy firms. The Davidson methodology and approach is simple. Thinking beyond now and aiming to be a valued partner with your local government, not just for the immediate project, but for the next 30 years. Speak to Justin Hanney or Seamus Scanlon to find out more or head to davidsonwp.com.au. Davidson, your future, your partner.